does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Welcome back. It is the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5 of the Fan. I would guesstimate the number of conversations from an official, air quotes, on-air perspective this gentleman and I have had is at least in the hundreds. It might be in the thousands at this point. In previous years, I could say Bob Kravitz of the Indianapolis Star, Bob Kravitz of this radio station, Bob Kravitz of WTHR.com, Bob <laughs> Kravitz of the Athletic Urium chuckling in the background. When I give you the pop proper attribution now, my friend, what should I say? Well, I am uh, going to be kind of an independent uh, columnist, and independent journalist, and I will be writing a, a column on the Substack platform uh my first column will appear tomorrow thursday and if people want to access the column the first couple of pieces are going to be free and then it'll be subscriber only um but if they want to access me it's bob in terms of talk, can, go, go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah, I cut okay. you off. Go ahead. Yeah, please, please, please. Yeah, so you can uh, subscribe for free now, but eventually, uh, I would hope that uh, a good portion of uh, your listeners and my readers uh, will uh, sign up and subscribe, and uh, you know uh, they can have access to my pearls of wisdom. Uh, for time immemorial. Now, see, I was going to go with Witty Bon Maz was what I, th- I thought was the Kravitz you know phrase that you were going to go with there uh, in, in terms Witty of the Bon Maz. Yes, because I'm big on Witty Bon Maz. I've literally heard you say that and seen that in print from you over the years. That's why that's why it's the direction that, that I thought you were going to go with. <laughs> uh, th- this question is reminiscent of like something I would ask a, a a state finals coach that's in a in a high school state final for a first time when I go. All right, you know who are you talking with this? week? Week that have been there and done that that can kind of help guide you on this path as to what to expect. So now as, as more riders have gone this direction, whose brain have you been picking as to uh, how to make this financially profitable for you? Who you've been talking to and chatting to about this? Well, a couple people. Um, and I've got, uh, I'm meeting with, uh, you know, Scott Agnes very yep. well. Scott has made a really good go of it on his own Substack covering the Pacers. Uh, in fact, he's uh, taking a look at my first story and helping me format it even as we speak. Um, and I've, uh, I'm going to be re- um, meeting with Adam Wren, the politi- great political writer here yep. in Indianapolis. Uh, he, he, too, has a Substack. Um, so, uh, and, and you know who's been – incredibly helpful is my daughter my youngest (laughs) daughter dana out in seattle is uh remarkable when it comes to figuring out all things computers um so she she made a really cool graphic for me for uh, we're calling this musings of an old sports writer Uh, i'm not wedded to the name if there's a better name out there i will definitely uh that route, but I'll leave it. I'll leave it to the readers to decide whether that's a, an appropriate name for for my column or something better. While there is, you know, there's always concern of, hey, can I make a financial go at this? From a creative right. standpoint, this is you know unbelievable freedom. 
You literally get to write what you want to write about, what you are passionate about, and typically that then comes through the keyboard and and then folks can be able to read that. So what are the things you are most looking forward to talking um, about? Yeah, this is, I'm sorry to cut you off. This is going to be a more personal type blog like i would say i'm still going to write normal columns still going to do some long longer features but for the most part it's going to be you know just my views on sports uh, it, you know it's going to be kind of a back to the future thing i think it's going to be more more clo- it'll more closely approximate what i did at the indianapolis star and wthr i'll be writing far more frequently you know the athletic didn't ask me to write that frequently and quite frankly half half my story ideas they didn't like anyway so <laughs> so um uh you know while i'd rather have a a job than no job I, i'm i'm really excited about what this can become and i'm looking forward to people uh you know getting involved in reading and helping me out uh, early on, because as anybody who knows me in this business can tell you, I am a complete Luddite when it comes to computers and working on a, on a new platform. It's there, there's all kinds of crazy cool things you can do on Substack. Uh, but, you know, if you ask me uh, about doing a podcast, which I'm going to do eventually, uh, I don't know how to do that technically just yet. So I'm going to learn as I go along, and hopefully people, uh, people like my writing enough that they'll go to uh, bobkravitz.substack.com. Well, you can tell with that plug, it's Bob Kravitz that joins us here on the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 <laughs> and, and, and 107.5 The Fan. And my guess is there's obviously going to be a, a great deal of Indiana topics you touch on because yeah. you have now yeah. called this place home for 23 years, and obviously for your years as a student at IU and a graduate, you know, uh, you know, a, a few years before that. But I would also assume you're not going to limit this to just yeah. Indiana things. So my guess would be this might be your first chance to write about some hockey at some point in time for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think that I probably will. Now, I understand that, you know, the vast majority uh, of my readers will be Indiana-based uh, readers, uh, and, and I know that hockey is not huge here. But, yeah, I, I, I look, I can write about hockey. I can write about cultural things now i'm not going to get heavy into politics or or, or stuff like that it's, it's people are reading me they don't care what i think of the political landscape sure. they care if they if they care at all they care uh what i think about local sports so yes uh, uh i i will go off the reservation at times uh there will be times where i'll just do personal stuff i might uh, tell the story of being stuck in Newark for three days, trying to get the hell out of there after a one-week vacation at the Jersey Shore. Because I think everybody has had uh, travel nightmares, and boy, did we have a doozy. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's just going to be whatever pops into my head, um, whether it's sports or otherwise. But, you know, I'd say 95% of the time it'll be sports in Indian, Indianapolis, Indiana, Central Indiana sports, and I'm really looking forward to it. The best thing is I can't fire myself. <laughs> you know, I, I felt, and you'll read it in my first uh, column tomorrow, I felt like I got a raw deal at The Athletic, and I was very honest and forthright about 
you know, working there. Um, the, the people uh, will not be happy to read what I have to say, but the hell with them. Um, uh, I, you know, I've always taken the high road, but I, I, I changed course a little bit in the first column. Uh, I, I shared some of my frustrations, and then I also uh, am telling people what to expect uh, from the Substack and how I plan to go about uh, growing this thing. All right, so with that, let's kind of take a 30,000-foot view then on like two or three of, 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 of the big topics that my guess is will encompass most of what you're going to be writing about. So let's kind of take these in right. chronological order. Uh, Indianapolis Colts training camp, as you and I are having this conversation, is six days away. Your thoughts about where this team and where this franchise stands heading into training camp? Well, I don't think they're going to be any good, if you want to know the truth. Um, you know, I, I, I am not a guy who thinks that uh, that Anthony Richardson needs to play right away. I, I think they'll be fine with uh, Gardner Minshew. I think, you know, people keep forgetting he played 13 games in college. Right. And there were 13 very uneven games. He doesn't have a resume. Okay? So, um I think it's going to be a long, hard season, especially now with the Jonathan Taylor contract situation. That's going to that's going to sit on them uh, all season long. You know, whether he shows up to training camp uh, is still a big question. Um, you know, whether Shaq Leonard will 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 you know be ready to go by camp. He had something on his Instagram the other day where he was working out and he looked pretty good. Um, so yeah, they're they're but you know, and they they have no no secondary. I mean, you know, their cornerback situation is very very dicey with Isaiah Rogers out of the picture. So um, I think it's going to be a tough rebuilding year for the uh, for the Colts. All right, so with that, let's now kind of go backwards. The team that just wrapped up, and I'm not sure how important if at all summer league is, but kind of the last bit of Pacers business, barring another player move until training camp, just wrapped up this past weekend. Your thoughts about, again, the current state of the Indiana Pacers and what the upcoming season will look like? I think they got a chance to make the playoffs, and I, I really do. And I, I love what they've done. I think Obi Toppin, I'm like, and Bruce Brown and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, they are the top three in the league in, in scoring in transition. This is a team that's going to scoot. This team is going to be fast. We saw it last year, but you had Obi Toppin. You had Bruce Brown. Um, I like the changes they made. If they can go out and get Siakam, then all bets are off. Um, that would be that would be just terrific if they can get Siakam. Um, but you know, I I I I think uh, Jarris uh, Walker is going to be a big help. Um, but you know, suddenly they've taken a position where they had nobody really at power forward and made it what I think has a chance to be a strength of theirs. So I think this is a team that's going to flirt with five hundred most of the year and have a chance to make the playoffs at the end i will bring this up and i think i brought this up in conversation with chris denary last week in other words those of us that were around for rick carlisle 1.0 versus now rick carlisle 2.0 always have the utmost respect for coaches that realize they have to change with the times i have the utmost mm-hmm. respect for coaches that coach around the talent that they have and say hey this is the best way for us to win i still laugh at the idea of using the phrase they can really scoot on a rick carlisle team knowing how right. much of a grind it was the first to get to 80 the first time he was the head coach some 20 years ago here 
Absolutely. And you, you talk to the players, and they'll tell you, you know, I mean, in the old days, Rick called everything. Uh-huh. Rick, Rick called everything. And now he's got a point guard who knows how to, how to get this offense moving in the right direction. And he calls very few plays. I mean, and that's just the way this league is now. I mean, everybody is playing kind of a freelance, free-form basketball. I think it's great. I think it's very entertaining. Uh, people think it's just, you know, uh, you know, five out and drive and kick, but it's a lot more complex than that. And I think Rick uh, understands that. I mean, there's there's a reason why he's he's won as many games as he has. But yeah, he has definitely, definitely changed course over the over the over the last couple of years. And if we're not talking Colts or Pacers on this radio station and what you're doing on, frankly, any sports medium that is trying to get volume in, in terms of people paying, paying attention, obviously IU basketball comes to mind, but I will kind of lump this in just to say college sports in this state in general. Yes. With the yeah, upcoming with the upcoming, cup, upcoming fall, whether it's football or basketball, et cetera, the most compelling college story in your mind that you think you'll be chronicling over the course of the next few months through your new Substack site will be what? What's the thing that's going to catch your attention? Well, I think two things. I think, you know, IU basketball is always a beast. Sure. Um, and, you know, as far as readership goes. And, you know, who is Mbako? You know, uh, Kalel Ware. All, you know, they, the IU is very much a mystery team. Um, and so I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how they develop over the course of the year. And I think the other uh, great story is going to be Purdue. Sure. You know, now I, I don't know how important the regular season is. I think <laughs> that they're going to be absolutely loaded and nothing. It's going to be like the old Colts. You know, when when Peyton was here, you knew they were going to win 12, 13 games. It was right. just a matter of what they did in the playoffs. And I think I think March is where it's going to where, where where it's going to be a success or a massive failure. Um, they are loaded, absolutely loaded. I think they'll be a top ten, top five team all all winter long. And I'm looking forward to seeing them. And I'm really glad that. Um, that Zach decided to come back. I think that was a good move on his part. And, you know, a, a little bit like like uh, Trace coming back for his last year. Um, I, I, you know, will it help his draft status? Not unless he, you know, goes down to about six foot eight and <laughs> 210 right. pounds, but, which is highly unlikely. He, he's the most dominant college player we've seen in a long time. And I think Purdue is going to be outstanding this year. So, again, there you go. The 30,000-foot view, all the big topics that you'll be able there to read go. on Bob's new website, which debuts tomorrow, and it's free at the start, yes, then a subscription soon after, bobkravitz.substack.com. I wish you all the best. I will be a subscriber, and I will not be a stranger. We'll have a variation of this conversation again soon. Thanks for the time, my friend. Thank you so much, my friend. Take care of yourself. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
it is still somewhat odd to kind of refer to the British Open slash the Open Championship as the last golf major of the year. And I realize the PGA Championship has like moved to May, but because of how busy my life is in May and because of generally where all of our focus is in May, kind of those things like, oh yeah, the PGA Championship already happened. I'm sure that same hang-up is not a problem for Will Haskett, who I happened to hear a lot of this weekend. I had up and backs to Logansport on Saturday and Sunday, so the rap on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio helped get me home down US 31. Will, as always, you did a great job. How you doing this afternoon? Early this past weekend, rake on back-to-back days. So that wasn't uh, that was not a problem in my world. It was nice to have my afternoon off after uh, getting up bright and early to watch Scottish golf and then talk about it. So I appreciate you listening. I mean, there's a lot of channels there on SiriusXM. So I appreciate you putting 92 on the uh, presets there for me. It is on the presets at least during the golfing season. It, it may not hang there All during the golfing football season. Rake 52 True. weeks out of the year, we're playing golf. It's the best. It's the gig that keeps on giving. Listen, I I, I, I'm all for you getting 52 <laughs> paychecks a year. So I, I am, I am all uh, for, for that being the case. Uh, but, uh, but, but Roy McIlroy winning into the open championship. You could not write the script any better. No. Is he the, is he the unquestioned favorite now heading into the week? I think it's recency bias easily allows us to slip into that. But I think those of us who have wanted to see Rory win another major for a long time, and then especially in this sort of interesting two-year window where he's been so vocal and has been the face of the PGA Tour, I think we also have to remind ourselves of the disappointments that we've seen in major championships. And so whether he had won or lost, what he did on Sunday was incredible. I mean, to miss the putt on 16, which was really the last birdie opportunity, and then step up there in the toughest of conditions all day in birdie 17 and 18 and deny Scottish fans their own son, Bobby McIntyre, winning that tournament, I think was a complete, it was an amazing finish. Don't get me wrong, but I think we have to then kind of slip back into the logical reality, and that is his expectations are, are much greater this week. And even though he won last week, he's still not necessarily playing the best golf in the world over the last couple of months. That's Scotty Scheffler. And then I, I think him not being in the field last week, him being John Rahm, we sort of forget him in this recency bias thing. So, no, I don't believe Rory is the favorite this week, but I think Sunday very easily makes people think that he should be. All right, so with that, we'll talk about the other individuals matter moments, but I, I'm committed to the cardinal sin. Normally when it comes to talking about the Open Championship, the first question is, is it St. Andrews or not? This is the one of the years that it's not. So tell us about the – uh-oh. Apparently, he didn't want me talking about the, 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 the courses. Did you not like my question? I, I, I have no idea what happened there. Um, <laughs> I guess must have lost you on the uh, the telegraph pole there across the ocean. Um, no, I'm in, I'm in India. I'm not in Scotland, yes. Scotland or England. We're in England this time around. Yep. Uh, Liverpool, the town, Hoylake, the, the I guess, the, the local term for Royal, Royal Liverpool, Liverpool yep. which is the official name of the golf course. I missed the second half of your question. But, yes, this is part of the road. It's been a while since 2014. We've been at Royal Liverpool, and I, I will now yield back to what the full question. So basically, I, I think most everybody that is a casual golf fan, you know, they're, they're the three most famous golf courses in the world because we see them all the time. It's Augusta National, it's Pebble Beach, it's St. Andrews. Those are the ones, even the most casual fan, go, yep, road hole, yep, first and 18. Yeah, I got it. What makes this course unique at Hoylake? You know, 
That's a great question. I, I mean, I think when you look through the years, any open championship is unique because of, of the weather and the way that it was played. This was famously the spot where Tiger Woods won in 2006 when right after it was two months after, I think his dad Earl had passed away. And that was the year that it was baked out and it was firmer than my dining room table and probably browner than my dining room table. Uh, as as that was legendary where Tiger hit one driver on Thursday and then said, I don't need driver the rest of the week. And then it was a completely different golf course in 2014 when they had rains. We actually played early on Saturday, nine years ago, and it's going to look a lot similar to that. Um, But I, I guess, you know, compared to, you know, Carnoustie kind of has the burn and the and the gorse and some of those names that we hear every year with the Open Championship. St. Andrews, as you mentioned, having so many of the, the famous sort of moments. I wouldn't say that there's an architectural element to this golf course that lends itself to as much memory. It's more the tournaments themselves that have that have hosted this tournament. Like Hoylake, I think, is just more known for some of those championships, the most recent ones that we also talked about. And keep in mind, when we came back in 2006 for Tigers, it had been nearly 40 years since the last Open was hosted at this golf course. So we don't really have a lot of those modern sort of memories. Um, I mean, unless, you know, you love Roberto DiVincenzo's win in, 2000, in 1967 <laughs> over Jack Nicholas. So we don't have a lot of that kind of built in of waking up early on Saturdays and Sundays and our generation or the generation before and getting to know this golf course. So I will say this, maybe this is the year where this golf course invents something you remember because they've completely redone the 17th hole it is tiny but the green is a tabletop and there are some just massive revetted faced bunkers off the side that guys in practice around there's a lot of video on social media of guys practicing very creative ways to try and get out of these bunkers i think john rom was the one that was asked if it's a fair golf hole and he had a great sort of cheeky response and it was well if it's unfair for everybody then i guess it makes it fair (laughs) or something like that so I think 17 might actually end up in a sandwich in between two par five. So you've got two holes where guys can make scores and then a tiny little par three that may end up giving us fives or sixes or Thomas Bjorn type moments when he's lost in the bunker for a couple of shots trying to win down the stretch. So in a long sort of winded way, no, there isn't something that I say you point to this golf course and say, yes, that's its signature other than it being a true link style course. But maybe this year the par three 17th becomes that memory that in future Hoylake Open Championships, we're like, oh, man, number 17 and what it did to that guy. We'll take a look at it again this year. For all of these guys, it, it is the most important major because it's the next major. It's the most important tournament because it's the next tournament. Yep. If we were having an, an, an honesty index in terms of the importance of the golf majors, is it Masters won this two U.S. Open three across the globe in this country? You would think it would be Masters one U.S. Open two Open Championship three. Where does this fit on? Uh, I hate to phrase Mount Rushmore, but it's a four event cycle. We all kind of think of the PGA as fourth. Where does this one fit in? Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think you're right, and it's unfair to the fine folks that run a, a great championship at the PGA. But I think it's pretty obvious that that one is fourth on anybody's priority list of which ones they would want to win, unless maybe you're a Justin Thomas and you're a third generation PGA professional, and, and the meaning that comes with, you know, working in that business. Sure. I do think it has a lot to do with yeah, where you're born, where you're from, are you European, are you American. The Masters is an interesting one. I think it has so much modern lore, and because it's a golf course that's the only really it's the only major that's played on the same golf course every year, that in and of itself and its history makes it super special. But I think you'd hear a lot of players that would say if they're English or Scottish or even Spanish, 
that the Open Championship is their number one and then maybe the Masters U.S. Open in some order. And there are plenty of Americans who I think would say that the U.S. Open is their one because it truly is open. The field is bigger. The field is stronger. The qualification process is harder for guys to play their way sort of into it. Um, So, again, I think it's very much geographical how you fit into it and kind of stylistically what type of golf you want to see. I mean, we can see carnage at the Open Championship, but if the wind lays down, and there's been some rain, you can see some good scoring, unlike, say, a U.S. Open, which is typically set up every year to just pummel guys into submission with the way the USGA sets up a golf course. So uh, I guess it's me kind of dancing around the question because I think it's a very subjective answer in terms of who you talk to and even how our audience would listen to it. There are a lot of purists out there who will say that this week is their favorite championship because it forces guys to hit golf shots. It asks different questions to steal a – a phrase for some of the golf purists out there like this week should ask more questions of a golfer's skill than a lot of whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you other golf tournaments so many view this week as the purest and best historic test and championship in all of golf will haskett serious xm pghr radio obviously free contributor on this radio program joining us here on the fan midday show 93.5 and 107.5 the fan um even though rory hasn't won in nine years in a major which i still find fascinating um yep. you know i still put him in, in in the top group that's in contention for it obviously scheffler and rom you know checking with them if you look at the world golf rankings there you go it, it's those guys that are a top three yes uh, of 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 the of everybody else who's the name we should be talking about the most outside of those big three Wow, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of guys that are playing really good golf. Obviously, Cameron Smith is defending champion. And with what Live Golf has done to sort of take some of those Live Golfers, I think, out of the con- the weekly conversation in professional golf and the way that we sort of question the merits of what those tournaments mean in terms of measuring how good they are, Cameron Smith admitted at the Masters this year that the financial freedom of Live coupled with him winning this championship, the open championship last year sort of just sent him into a get fat and happy party place for a few months. And he was just not focused on being the best golfer that he could be. And he has steadily sort of gotten better and better, even through the majors this season to this point to defend. And he said, when he arrived on property and had to give the claret jug back, he doesn't want to give it back. So I would say of top 10 guys in the world, an important week for him, obviously Brooks Kepka won the PGA championship earlier this year. He's number three in the Ryder Cup standings, which he's only getting points for when he plays in major championships. So if he plays well this week, he could lock up a spot on points in the Ryder Cup. I think he's on the team no matter what, but there's a lot more politics involved if he isn't in the top six when they cut that thing off coming up in a month and a half or so. Uh, So those are these sort of names that are on the fringe. But, I mean, honestly, Greg, it's the top three in the world. And then if somebody else wins from the rest, fine but everybody's expecting or maybe everybody's ex- or hoping that either scotty scheffler rory McIlroy, or john rom are in contention because they are the three best golfers in the sport and it's really not close although you can make the brooks kepka argument in big tournaments like this one um while i think that there are some great guys out of those top three this week i'm particularly fond of victor hovland the way he drives the golf ball you know it's a home game for tommy fleetwood right. he's trying to become the first englishman to win this I really like Tommy in this tournament, too. 
Um, can he get over? I think a lot of the expectations that come with, you know, with that, with having to answer all the questions this week about it. I think that that's uh, that's another guy to watch. So those are the, my guys I was just looking at in terms of a short list. Uh, maybe even a Tyrrell Hatton who's been playing well. All right, a couple quick things, and then we'll let you go. And let's talk about the local guy. I'm not sure that uh, Adam Shank's going to be in contention to win it, but he's 22nd in the FedEx Cup. Dude's top 50 in the world at this yep. point, and he's got five top 10s this year. For those who don't know, Adam played at Purdue and is from Knox County. So from the Vincennes area, what has he done while he's not won yet He's come close. He's been run up a couple of times. What has he done to get himself to where he is now qualifying for majors automatically on a regular basis? Yeah, I'm glad you asked the question because I've been with Adam a couple of times this year, almost got him across the line for that first win. He's been so close in a couple of tournaments. And he and his wife, Courtney, I mean, they, they're back. They're in the Vincennes area permanently now and just had their first child. And it has been the best season of his career by far. And the, this is a non-answer, but I think it's a great answer. Is There isn't one thing, Greg, that I can specifically point to and say, this is why he's become a top 30 player on the PGA Tour this season and a top 50 player in the world. He has just steadily gotten better at every aspect. Now, he's, he's farm strong. I mean, he's country strong. He's a big guy. He really moves it off the tee. That certainly always helps. But putting his iron game, everything has just gotten a fraction better. And when all of that sort of pulls along, when you see that growth as a professional, that has to be so gratifying. And I haven't really gotten in the weeds and talked to him specifically about some of those things, but we have been able to just sort of chat at at the end of some of these rounds. And I know he's put the work in and he's in just a happy place, you know, to be sort of back home where it's comfortable. I mean, if you don't know, so he grew up on a sod farm. So his <laughs> his family farm literally makes grass that they sell to golf courses. And when he was a little kid, he maintained his own little piece of grass, like learned the family trade and made his own piece of grass that he practiced off of. And he still maintains it to this day. He still practices, you know, he hits balls and I, I guess he has to go shag him himself, but you know, he'll just kind of go do that, which is such a fun story uh, for those of us here in Indiana. And then was splitting time and had a condo in Florida and come back a little bit. And they finally just sort of committed to, uh, to being up here and making the commute to Indianapolis International from you know the southwestern side of the state uh, whenever he travels on on the PGA Tour. But yeah, it's, it's a cool story. Uh, he's done everything but win this year. Will he contend this week? Probably not. Sure. I mean, it's it's a big it's a big field. But if I wake up tomorrow morning and you know I'm preparing for our our post round coverage tomorrow on Sirius XM and his name's on the first couple of pages of the leaderboard. I won't be surprised because he's played really darn good golf this year. And now if I think of someone in golf that makes their own grass, I'll have somebody, other, somebody else other to think about than Carl Spackler. So I appreciate yeah, that yeah. Uh, yeah. being the case. And finally, before we let you go, we are now 15 minutes into a golf conversation. And you mentioned Liv as in where Cam Smith plays. But I haven't asked you about Liv until now. So clearly we're yeah. making progress on this front. Has there been anything new kind of behind the scenes that you've caught wind of that you're willing to share with, with the class, so to speak, as, uh, as, as a, a merger, a detente, something along those lines seems to keep kind of moving along towards 2024 and beyond? No, I'd like to thank many of the gas bags in Congress for sort of just sucking oh my all goodness. the air out of this story. I mean, they, they honestly did, Greg. I think that that comedy I, I, I happen to be randomly – I'm sorry oh, to jump in. I happen to be randomly yeah. watching his flipping and saw it like on C-SPAN. I was home one night last week. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, dear I mean, Lord. Anyway, please continue. 
Well, I think it actually helped because it illuminated how little fact we really had. And um, I tried to go on a, a rant this week on social media because PGA Tour players, some of them are you know feeling up, upset because it's a member-run organization. Well, any of us that are part of member-run organizations, fraternal organizations, or right. any of those things, it's like the day-to-day operations, you don't go to every single member of a member organization and tell them what's happening in the home office or whatever sort of that. And so where we are in this whole process is that very, very tiny little framework agreement. But what's actually going to take place has not been agreed upon. You know, lawyers for both sides are still hammering out details and contracts and how things are going to be structured and what schedules are going to look like. And from that point forward, from the original agreement till now, we really haven't learned a whole lot. One or two things came out in discovery with those congressional hearings, mainly the biggest one being that, you know, Greg Norman was Supposed to, there's an agreement that never was actually signed, but that he would be fired once they agreed on the full agreement. And who knows if that's going to happen? So, no, nothing's really happened. And I honestly think that that was such a painful exercise in hammering questions without any answers that it, at least to the media sort of cycle, it just reinforced and hammered home the point that, oh, yeah, we don't have anything to talk about because there actually isn't an agreement yet. They only agreed to stop suing each other. That's the only <laughs> thing. That's it. Like, we will stop the litigation against one another. And we'll go to the table and we'll figure out what this new thing looks like. Well, they're still at the table. So nothing's leaking out of those table meetings right now. And so we wait and we see. But I will say this. I do think it's just kind of ended everything in a lot of the back and forth and the, you know, the hammering of, of opinions and stuff is that I think we realize that there's going to be some sort of resolution. We don't know what it's going to look like, but it's really taken a lot of the grandstanding out of both sides of this, which is really good this week because – there isn't as much of this sideshow of, oh, this guy plays where and this guy plays here. No, we're just going to roll the balls out there and see what happens. As always, my friend, a pleasure. Are you like cashing out at like 630 tonight? You can wake up at 130 and watch every tee shot tomorrow? No, I think I'll um, I think I'll get up at a normal time and, and get <laughs> caught up to speed. I'm not on the air until the coverage because of all the daylight there. Where I'm not on until two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So I feel like a normal wake up time tomorrow. I'll have enough time to get an idea of what happened in the opening round. But yeah, not a full sycophant when it comes to uh, first tee balls in the air at one thirty five, I think, a.m. Eastern time. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be well rested. We are not as you and I head towards the Champions Tour. We are not of that age, uh, my friend. As no. always, thank you for the time and the insight. We'll do it again soon. Hey, no one's talking John Rom enough. I'm just telling you right now, John Rom. John Rom. Someone put it out there. I'm on the record this week. John Rom. Yeah. So says Will yeah. Haskett. So saith the flock. Thank you very much, uh, Will Haskett, joining us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Fever win and snap an eight-game winning streak. They beat the Mystics by a score of 82-76. to And I believe I have not one but two all-star players joining me on the show right now. That would be Kelsey Mitchell and Aaliyah Boston. Ladies, how we doing? Good, how are you? How are you? I'm doing fine. And and first things first, congratulations on the win. I, I guess I will defer to Kelsey here first as she had the high point total, 18 points. Had to feel good to be back in the W column, right? Oh, I felt really good. Um, we've been practicing really, really aggressively, so to see us come out on the, on the different side of things is really fun today. Do you like these these midday games? You tend to get a younger crowd. Obviously, it lets you get back to Indy quicker. It's, it's, it, it gives you your <laughs> evening back. Is it something, Kelsey, you guys kind of get used to at this point? 
Yeah, kind of so. We actually kind of love these games so we can try to get a, a decent day for the rest of the day for ourselves. So it was good to play, get a win, and go home now. All right, Aaliyah, it's my first chance to have a chance to talk with you. First of all, welcome to Indianapolis. Uh, I know it's Thank been kind you. of a whirlwind these last two or three months. How has Indy been treating you so far? It's been great. I love it. I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Um, obviously, you you kind of knew, and one of the rare athletes to know, hey, whoever gets that number one pick, I know that's where I'm going. That's how this process was going to play out. When you saw the Fever got that number one spot in the lottery, what was kind of your immediate reaction knowing you were going to be playing here? Yeah, I mean, I was excited. I love that there was a new coaching staff, um, and I was just super excited to get started if they were to pick me. So, Kelsey, you have got so many youngsters around you. This is such a young team with, with recent draft picks and so many draft picks in this group. What sort of energy does that bring to you and your teammates? Um, it's, a really good, it's a really good culture to be around. Um, we have raw, like you said, raw young talent. Um, but more importantly, we have people that, um, for one, want to compete at the high level. But also, we have really good character people on our team. And so it helps for a good, better atmosphere. Uh, Aaliyah, obviously there is so much that is expected of you uh, as being a number one pick. But did you even surprise yourself to some degree by being named an all-star as a rookie? Um, yeah, I mean, that was definitely not something that I expected right away, but I mean, it's a blessing. I just feel like I've put in a lot of work and God just opened this door. Well, um, what was that experience like for you? And, and Kelsey, I'll get back to you on, on that front in a second, but literally you just lived it over the course of the last three or four days. What was your first All-Star weekend like as a player? Yeah, um, it was exciting. It was a lot of fun. Um, got to talk to a lot of players that... Um, I don't really get to it, but my family was able to come out to Vegas, and so it was really nice to have them there for the entire the entire weekend. A lot of times, you know, when, when you're a youngster doing something well in profession, a lot of the old heads, a lot of the veterans will kind of make it a point to come up and talk to you and offer some advice or offer an award, a word of encouragement. Did you have some conversations like that over the course of the last few days? Yeah, um, just from a little bit from everyone, honestly, at any moment that they had, any questions I had, they answered it um, and was happy to, and then they were able to give me any pointers. Kelsey, what was your All-Star experience like this weekend? Um, it was really, really busy, honestly. Um, we kept ourselves busy, um, but it felt really good kind of getting to know um, the rest of the ladies that were All-Stars. Um, I enjoyed the summer league. I had a chance to do that. Um, and so for me, it was just about taking in the experience for what it was supposed to be. Obviously, Kelsey, this has been, you know, it's a franchise that historically has been great. It's one that has been on lean times over the last several years. While the record isn't great at 6-15, and 15, I think everybody kind of thinks, hey, there is, there's some positive traction here when you have the number one pick, when you have other talented young players. Kelsey, I guess kind of your thoughts just on the direction that you and your teammates are heading right now with the Fever. Um, the record is the record, but um, we as a group, our team, and like as a whole, know where we're going with this. And we know there's a lot of to sacrifice. And I think with our group, we got a chance to keep making strides. That's going to change the game forever. Again, Kelsey Mitchell, Aaliyah Boston, kind of to join us just after beating the Washington Mystics by a score of 82 to 76. It is the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan um, for you know a lot of whether it's your freshman year in high school, freshman year in college, now first year as a pro. A lot of folks will say that the game flies by so fast, or it's like you know kind of drinking from a fire hose. Aaliyah, what has that process been like for you? I mean, you literally go from playing in a in a Final Four in April to playing in the WNBA in May. What has that transition been like for you? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's super fast. Um, you can't really prepare for it, even though you know it's it's coming. So it's kind of just taking every day by day, um, but also giving yourself grace to be able to adjust to the professional life, all the time you have, the type of game that it is. Um, but it's, it's definitely a quick process. Um, once you get drafted, it's like everything goes like the blink of an eye. What's the, uh, what is the biggest difference? I realize the players are all better. They're all pros. I get that. Um, in terms of the game itself, what's the bigger diff- biggest difference going from a place like South Carolina where you play at such a high level to now playing in the WNBA overnight? Yeah, I mean, I just think the physicality, um, just like you said, these, these women are older um, and they're stronger. So I definitely think just being able to adjust to that quickly um, is always going to be a positive for any rookie coming into the league just because you can't really prepare for it until you've played a couple games and really been able to adjust that way. All right, Kelsey. Uh, you know, in the double, in the NBA, I think of, you know, guys are asked to bring donuts that are rookies. you got to wear like a certain backpack <laughs> as a rookie. What sort of – with having so many rookies on the team, what sort of rookie tasks are you having Aaliyah and her fellow first-year players what they got to do it for practice every day <laughs> honestly man nothing we don't make them do anything Aaliyah will tell you the truth right Aaliyah absolutely great great vets great vets you hear that you hear that A- Aaliyah yeah. you got it easy <laughs> I love it. With, with, with that being the case um all, all right and, and Kelsey I'll go back to you on this where do you go from here? You, you, you just snapped a losing streak that, that predated the all-star break now with being six and 15 what do you do for kind of this this final finishing kick of the season, these next 13 or so games? Um, I think individually for myself, and I'll speak for, for our team, um, this is about doing the work. Whatever the work requires, let's just do basketball, let's play basketball, whatever comes with that, and just focus on, you know, making that sacrifice about being trying to be in the conversation for the playoffs. Aaliyah, what sort of what are your favorite kind of spots in town? Being new to town, and again, you've been so busy with basketball. What are some places when you do have a little time to go hang? What are, what are the hang spots in Indianapolis? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm a homebody, but when it comes to, like, food, there's a Caribbean spot that I really like. I think it's called Caribbean Style Jerk. Okay. Uh, it's pretty good. All right. Kelsey, any, any recommendations you've got for your young teammates on, on, on a front like that? In Indianapolis? Yeah. Uh, Grubhouse. Go to a place called the Grubhouse. The Grub House is amazing. It's our college ad. Yep, I know it well. All right, I'll, I'll, I will look for both of you there at some point in time. Ladies, I know you're traveling. We're going to head back to the airport. We'll let you go. Thanks for the time. Congratulations on making the WNBA All-Star Game, and go enjoy that victory. Congrats on today's dub. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, thanks for giving us a chance to talk to you. You got it, of course. Kelsey Mitchell and Aaliyah Boston representing the Indiana Fever in the WNBA All-Star Game this past weekend. Thanks to Ryan Stevens, uh, who heads up PR for the Indiana Fever. And again, congratulations to those ladies for getting a victory.